So this dream starts out that I'm out to dinner in my neighborhood at a bar that actually doesn't exist in my real neighborhood. And it's a place that I've never actually been before. But everything else around it is familiar. I'm there with my younger sisters, and it's really desolate. There's no one else around. There's no one in their houses. There's no one on the street. There's no waiters. There's no one. It's just us sitting at this bar. And the bar is weird because it's under this big stone bridge, which again, like, doesn't exist in my real neighborhood, but makes sense in the dream. So anyways, we're sitting outside under this stone bridge and a friend from my childhood appears and joins us for dinner. And none of us are the ages we are in real life. My two sisters are about nine and 10 years old. I'm a teenager and so is my friend from childhood. Uh, I order a steak somehow, even though there's no waiter. As we are chatting at dinner, I'm slicing the steak like really, really thinly uh, in these tiny, tiny pieces and savoring every single bite. When I'm about halfway done, uh, I decide to take a break and walk around the neighborhood with my childhood friend. So we're walking around the streets and we're just catching up about everything that has happened the last few years. We're gossiping about old classmates and then just like reiterating to each other how nice it is to catch up and like how much we've missed each other. So we keep talking and reminiscing and saying how hard it is to find someone that you can be fully yourself with. And we use the analogy of everyone needs a friend that you're so close with that they would be a great gym buddy. And then I say, well, yeah, that's why I don't go to the gym, I guess. So we laugh and say that we're so happy we've kept in touch and we come back to our table and find that our food has been cleared. At first, I'm really angry because I really wanted to finish that steak. So my sister says that, don't worry, it's been packed up, but then slowly admits that she and her friend ate it. And my other little sister that was there previously has now turned into my sister's friend from childhood uh, who was always a bad influence on her in real life. We then decide that it's time to go home. And by home, this would be my childhood home in the same neighborhood. And we suddenly get into this car to drive home, even though our actual house is only about two blocks away. So I start thinking about what a waste of gas this is and what a waste of time this is. But I'm still in the car. And the driver misses the turn and says, whoops, sorry, I overshot it. I just want to get out and just walk home myself since I can practically see it. But by this time, it's so dark and cold out, I'm too scared to walk by myself. So I look out the window and then I wake up. When I think of the bar and why it's in this familiar neighborhood, but it's not a bar that's familiar to me. Yeah, it's hard for me to know where that comes from. My first thought is that it's sort of a bit COVID-related and related to the um, anxieties that we're having right now with um, outdoor patio seating and maybe that not, like, always being comfortable. I think being back on the patios was kind of nice in some ways because it, it was feeling like 
things are back to normal a little bit, but there's also a little bit of that anxiety as well because when you sign in, uh, well, you have to sign in <laughs> for COVID tracing and there's a hand sanitizer out. So it's kind of this weird mix of anxiety, but also like relief or comfort, I guess I would say. I probably felt all three of those things. The big picture is, you know, there's still this thing happening in the world right now. And maybe a part of you is always thinking like, oh, I don't want to get the virus or I don't want to pass the virus along to someone. So there's still, for me, being a naturally anxious person as well, um, I definitely have all those other anxieties in the back of my mind. Yeah, I'm definitely naturally anxious. Just someone that always tends to think worst case scenario, I suppose. That's my thought process with a lot of things in my normal life. And then when there's bigger things happening in the world that are stressful, like a pandemic or an election, sort of my, my default is to always go to what's the worst that can happen. When I was a kid, I had a lot of like medical challenges and had sort of things pop up here and there over the years into my adulthood. And um, the feedback I've gotten from doctors at times has been, oh, this is, this is really rare. We never see this, or this only happens to 5%. So sometimes I feel like I'm that unlucky percentage uh, <laughs> in certain scenarios. So I think that informs part of my anxiety. And the rest of it probably comes from a bit of a perfectionist attitude that I, I think I was just born with. I was always that person that was, you know, in high school that was was worried about, like, drinking too much or I never was open to taking drugs or anything because I'd already had all the, like, medical drugs that made me feel in a way I didn't want to feel. So um, I was always really cognizant of, like, never testing the waters in that type of way, like, never being reckless uh, because I just, did, I just, like, had already been in the hospital many times and I never wanted to go back for any reason. And then being really health-oriented, like trying to eat healthy, trying to stay active, just to, again, yeah, avoid having to go back. My family doctor probably thinks I'm like a hypochondriac because I go there <laughs> for anything now just because I want to rule things out and I want to get ahead of any potential problems. Um, and that was because I had, when I was a late teenager, I kind of had um, a bit of like a, a relapse thing of what happened to me in childhood that I probably could have gotten ahead of if I had really been more honest with my parents about like what I was going through. Basically, my challenge is I was always related to, I was born with one kidney, so there's been a lot of like ripple effects from that um, just with my anatomy. So ever since I was like nine months old, I had been going to the hospital and had to go for follow-up surgeries and all, all sorts of things. So I never had like control over that. And thankfully, uh, I'm like a very healthy person now and I can control what I can by staying healthy and by <laughs> going to the doctors in, a, in advance <laughs> if I feel just to try and get ahead of anything. So it's something that other people don't really click into unless they've sort of gone through something similar. Like unless you've sort of had challenges like with with your own body it's really hard I think for other people to like read into some of the patterns associated that with that like hypervigilance and control and feeling like helpless as well like sometimes no matter what you do like sometimes you did nothing wrong and 
it's just what it is. And that's just like the cards that you were dealt. And that can be really frustrating because it makes you question like what's fair and like, how can I fix this? But there's nothing because that's just the way it is. And I'm like a very logic based person and a problem solving type of person. Hopefully I've, I've worked through a lot of my feelings related to those challenges, but yeah, I think for me, what I do see come up in my dreams or in this dream in particular, it would come, come back to like the control, the control aspect. And, um, I do have dreams where I lose control of something. So the food or the driving or, um, my sister's bad influence friend shows up and I've lost control of that dynamic. And for, for me, I feel like that does kind of relate to like what, what built my personality, which was the experiences I went through when I was younger and my sort of naturally perfectionist side. My mom always told me that even when I was a baby, I would love to reorganize things in a room. I would go to the grocery store and move cans from one aisle to another aisle because I thought it looked better. Like I've always, I guess I was born with a certain amount of it, of just wanting to yeah, reorganize something my way. When I was four and five years old and I went to camp, I was often called like bossy because I like to be the leader, the leader of people. Uh, so I think some of it I was born with, I think some of it just continued to manifest into some other elements, like some, sometimes tied up in perfectionism is like people pleasing and trying and trying to have everything be great all the time. That probably came from when like my, it's getting too deep, <laughs> when my parents got divorced when I was a kid and sort of like the chaos of that. And it's, um, it was like very messy. It's still messy. It's been like 20 years or something and they don't talk. So definitely an element of that natural part of my personality, like then went into like people pleasing and, and trying to keep everything calm, trying to keep everything balanced. So yeah, I would say that's the way it, com it comes out or, like, continues to come out. So the childhood friend in my dream, at first when I woke up, I couldn't remember who they were. Like I, I kn They were so familiar, but I just couldn't place who they were. Uh, a bit later on, I realized it was one of my best friends from fifth grade who also lives... It, I think she still lives in this neighborhood. So it made sense that we were all in the same neighborhood in the dream. So we were best friends in fifth grade and we always took the school bus together and we sat at the the back of the bus and we'd always like make, make up songs together and gossip and do all the grade five things. A lot of my friends I don't necessarily have a creative connection with and she was someone that from a, like from that young age we had that like that creative connection where we could just, we were on the same page with our humor. We could like bounce things off of each other. We always made each other laugh super hard. So I think that's part of why in the dream as well, we are we are saying to each other like, like how hard it is to find someone that has those elements and like how, how happy we are that we've stayed in touch, even though in real life we haven't. Having my sisters be the age that they are in the dream, so having them be younger and then having my grade five friend that's the age I was really close with my sisters at like as adults now you know like everyone's married and has their own lives and like it's not the same sort of connection I don't even remember the last time we went out to dinner together 
But when you're kids, like, we would, you know, go to the movies together and go to brunch together and that type of thing. So there's definitely a comfort for me in that dream, going back to those ages and being with those people that my sisters, of course, are still really meaningful to me today. And my my grade five friend, even though we've lost touch, she obviously has like a place in my heart as well. So yeah, I definitely, like when I woke up from that dream, I felt happy, even though it was kind of a bleak setting. I felt really happy to like see my friend again and, and be with my sisters again at like that age where we were so connected. So in the dream, when I make the comment about how having a great friend is like having a great gym buddy, I think she and I in the dream, my grade five friend, we were just trying to find a way to put it into words how we felt. (laughs) And that was just the loose analogy we came up with. I think that my joke that I make in the dream is kind of a deflection of some sort. I don't really know of what, but like it's a joke, but it's a little bit of like a flippant thing to say when you are having what is like a meaningful conversation with someone. So... You know, I feel like in the dream we were saying, like, I miss you, I appreciate you. And then I throw in a joke to, like, not have it get too (laughs) too serious or too close, I suppose. I always, um, well, not always, but I still often shy away from, like, sharing any uh, real or deep feelings. Which is why I think in that dream I said, I was saying to her, I miss you, I care about you. But then I made, like, a joke. And that's sort of how I feel like I am in real life as well. So even though I can be really comfortable with someone and mostly be myself, like, it's hard It's hard for me to still share, like, real feelings um, just because of, because of, like, being vulnerable. I think I avoid vulnerability because I associate vulnerability with being weak even though I know intellectually that you're not a weak person if you are vulnerable. For me, it it ties into perfectionism and and people who are strong and who know what they're doing and who are perfect don't show that. That's sort of the subtext. Even though I know that's not true and that's not right, that's sort of like where that comes from with me. Also, I feel like I don't show it because it is a protection thing. For example, when I was younger, if I would share my real feelings with like my parents, let's say, I it, I would be like reject, not rejected, but like I wouldn't be really acknowledged for that or like the real feelings would like create bigger problems or cause a bigger scene. So for me, it was always better to just keep it to myself because that's gonna keep the peace and I'm just gonna deal with it myself and that's how I operate. You know, at first I thought the part of the dream where I'm not able to get out of the car to walk home because I'm scared and it's cold and we've taken, we've missed the turn. At first I thought it was a bit more relating to my control challenges and um, the frustration I feel when things like don't go the way I want them to go. But it's definitely worth thinking about it in terms of an obstacle to getting back to my childhood home part of the the wonder the wonder of childhood is that you are living in the moment a lot like a lot more a lot more than I than you usually you usually do now because you don't have like 
the worries about what's my career going to be and like, who am I going to become? And like, who am I going to marry? Whatever, all the things that you get when you get older. When you're a kid, it's very just like, you're thinking one recess to the next. You're thinking one group project to the next and one birthday party to the next. Um, which is such a nice feeling. So for sure, I wonder <laughs> what, who would I be if I didn't have those two aspects of my personality? I don't know. Dream Logic is made by me, Elias Campbell, and Sean Sutherland, with producer Victoria Hoare. Original score in this episode by Sarah Bassiano. Cover art by Stephen McLaughlin. Special thanks to this week's guest, Taryn. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DreamLogicShow. If you have a dream you'd like to share, email us at dreamlogicpod at gmail.com. If you want to support the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review, and share the show with a friend. You can also make a donation via our website, dreamlogicpodcast.com, which will help us continue to make the show. Thanks for listening.